Hello, and welcome to this very special episode of Terminus. I am the Black Metal Guy. The Death Metal Guy couldn't make it today. He scheduled two eight-hour band practices at the same time, and he showed up for both. I am joined by uh, pretty much almost everyone from the Canadian extreme heavy metal band, Cromluck, which includes uh, three members of Into Oblivion, uh, whose outstanding EP we talked a lot about last year. Uh, so, uh, guys, I was wondering if you could introduce yourselves and maybe start with the dudes who are also into Into Oblivion. Into, in Into Oblivion, just to keep things straight for the listeners. Wow, really, eh? You just <laughs> shut me out like that. All right. All right, well, I guess that uh, that's going to be me that uh, starts off on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm Roman. Uh, I founded Into Oblivion, and uh, mm-hmm. I was the first one Baron asked me to join Cromlech. Actually, after he met me at an Into Oblivion show, like, many, many years ago. And, uh, yeah. It's been good okay. Sense. All right. Well, then maybe we should go to Baron then. I that that's funny. So this is his band. Yes. All right. Yes. All I right. Claim ownership of that. Okay. Yeah, I'll go then. Uh, yeah. So back in 2011, uh, this was before the like epic doom stuff got. There was like a resurgence of popularity around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you had bands like Hellenian Codex and stuff starting to come out. But uh, just before that, there was nothing like that, right? I was listening to a lot of Solstice Candlemass, you know, all mm-hmm. the classic Epic Doom stuff. And I started writing some tunes like that because there was just nothing out there like that. And went to an I.O. show, really liked the music, talked to Roman. He was like, he really, he was really down with that, the Man of War, the Candlemass, Solstice, everything. So I was like, all right, well, let's, let's jam. And uh, yeah, we started the band after that. Okay. Yeah, so just okay. a quick aside on that, you know, some uh, funny history. Yeah. Uh, so basically, at that time, Into Oblivion was practicing in a shed in Brandon's backyard. And uh, yeah, so we had all our equipment there. And, you know, Baron lived uh, in Milton, you know, the next town over. And, well, you know, excuse oh, 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 really. okay. Well, so, hey, yeah, hang, hang on, hang on. Let me, let me yep. just say this. You know, <laughs> actually, no, no, you, you say it. Fine, fine. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, since it was my house. So just one, you know, one day. So, so okay, one day. Okay, so wait, and also so we're hearing so Brandon, this is Bra- this is Brandon the bassist. Bassist and, and ship poster extraordinaire. All right. So, yeah, you know, I'm just sitting, I'm at home one day, and Roman just shows up unannounced, completely, completely unannounced. And he's like, hey, man, uh, basically, he, he didn't even ask. He just kind of said, I'm going to use, I'm going to use your shed today. And I'm going to bring this guy that you've never met before into the shed where we keep our music equipment. Just out of, out of nowhere. Never met this guy in my life. And just, you know, he just kind of just showed up, showed up. And, and that was that. And, you know, they start playing because, I mean, it was my house. And uh, yeah, I'm like, uh, yeah, you guys need a bassist. So, you know, I made, I made, the, I made the best of, of Roman just showing up. And he'll... He'll fight to the death that he that he asked me at some point. He did not. I I stand by that because I would specifically remember being asked, "Hey, can I show up at your house?" <laughs> so were you were you sort of peering through the door and kind of like listening with one ear to it, being like, "No, I was in that damn shed." <laughs> no, he was he was in the other even smaller shed, just like listening. He was like, "I just like to listen." We didn't let him in. But yeah, no, actually, I think. I think that little anecdote perfectly encapsulates the spirit of Cromlech, oh, which is just, Cromlech uh, was formed by pure Roman arrogance. Just like barge, yeah, just barge in uninvited and be like, 
I'm using your shed. Also, you're playing bass. Done. Also, Stranger is showing up. Yes. 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 I listen. I swear, I asked you, and you said no, and I came anyways. No, I, I, I would I never say. I would never say no to that. That's why it's. <laughs> it is. That's why it is just genuinely the most confusing, the confusing part of it all. Is I think you just didn't ask. <laughs> but there's no a better way that the band could be formed just by barging in. Absolutely. So how did uh, how, how did you rope Jake into it? Same. Um, so yeah, I was the last member to join, and they had some drummer who, I forget why he left, maybe the other guys can tell you. He got married. Was... Ah, he got married. Yeah, he, he got married and he moved to a further town and was just like, yeah, I don't think I'll be able to make it to practice too often anymore. So I think... Yeah, so just, I just showed up like, to an I think Roman just told Jake, okay, you're playing drums now or something. Pretty much. Another, <laughs> arrogant, another arrogant move. Yeah, I just showed up. Roman wrote new riffs. It was an into oblivion practice. He said, "Hey, play this beat for me." Hey, want to be in Cromluck now? <laughs> so nice. I'm a loyal uh, work doge in both bands. <laughs> Jake it was is quite a nice a loyal trick doge. by a good Roman. Yes. Yeah. So, so there's about a three-year space between the formation of these bands. Uh, into Oblivion's like a few years older. Uh, well, I mean, technically, quite, quite. I, I found it into Oblivion back in, like, 2007. I made it back mm -hmm. in high school, but, like, the the actual, like, the current lineup is, like, what, like, 2008, 2009, something like that? How about that, yeah. And uh, Cromlech is, like, 2000, what, 2011? Yeah. All yeah. right. So, cool. You know, a couple so, of years. I mean... Go on. <laughs> Uh, I thought you, I thought you had something to say. Okay, so he drop, um... he might have dropped. Oh, okay. No, I thought I thought it went dead there for a second. Okay, uh, never mind that. So yeah, you know, just like at the time, you know, it was kind of fortuitous that Baron asked me about the whole Epic Doom thing, because uh, at that time I was like I was very much before that I was like a black metal death metal purist, uh, and maybe aside from that, obviously, you know, aside from metal, you know, it was, you know, classical music, neoclassical, dungeon synth, prog rock, stuff like that, but like classic heavy metal except for like iron maiden and judas priest wasn't really on the menu for me and uh but i, I had started getting back into it because i think around that time you know there was resurgence of trad metal that was occurring you know it became very popular like uh, manila road for example mm -hmm. and uh right it was a yeah yeah exactly yeah and there, there was a there was a band in, a, in the, our town so my issue with all that was that the the most like 90 percent of the retro metal revival bands were like doing Kind of more like sleaze oriented, like kind of almost goofy, not really like uh, they weren't doing like the epic, like barbarian, like, you know, hyper masculine sound of metal that I consider yeah. like Manowar and uh, Solstice and Bathory and all those bands to have been doing. So that was my issue. I was like, OK, there's this this metal revival thing going on, but like they're all trying to sound like Judas Priest. Nothing against Judas Priest, obviously, mm -hmm. but you can do more than that. Plus, nobody's ever going to be as good as Judas Priest. So, if you just want yeah, to be a yeah. second rate, third rate, fourth rate knockoff of Judas Priest, yeah, you can do more than that. So, yeah, and it was also like, you know, the, the kind of heavy metal that I was getting into at that time was like, so, like, you know, you listen to Manil Road, Manil Road is like trad metal, but it's got like, you know, it's got some thrash in it. It's, you know, it's got some heavier parts. If you, you know, if you've got a lot of progress, Candlemass isn't slow all the time. They've also got some faster bits. And then, you know, you go back to you go back to something like Angel Witch, for example, and you got like Proto Celtic Frost stuff going off. And mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, it's like I, I kind of feel that like what kind of ended up happening with Cromwell over time is 
you know, traditional heavy metal, but like reintegrating lessons that were learned from uh, black metal and death metal, you know? Yeah, yeah. for for sure. Kind of the co feel I got from you guys after listening, especially after listening to Iron Guard, is kind of the idea of like, what if heavy metal was extreme metal? Yeah, like, for sure. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, why, that's how you that's start off with I'm the extreme with heavy metal. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, word. So, uh, so uh, Baron, maybe, uh, do you want to like explain Epic Doom for Terminus fans? Some of them will know what it is, some of them won't, and that whole term has its own kind of unique niche tradition. Yeah, it's like, I guess it's something that's better just listened to than tried trying to explain it. But, uh, I mean, obviously Candlemass, Epicus, Doomicus, Metallicus uh, started everything. I mean, it's even in the title. You don't get that all the time. I guess you did with, like, there were, like, you know, Venom had black metal and mm -hmm. Death was death metal. and So you do see that. But anyways, um, yeah. It's it's something where like it's hard to put your finger on like this makes it sound epic, but when you hear it, you know it. Well, I always associated it with like the scene that arose after Solstice, which seems like obviously a huge band for you guys. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, you know it's like yeah to, to think about it. I guess. That, but no, uh, well, okay. So what I can say is that Candlemass, Candlemass is distinct from other Doom because a lot of. Like, earlier Doom was much more pentatonic, right? It was, like, ah, sort of bluesy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, early bluesy, kind of hard rock metal, grungy, yeah. whatever that sound. Candlemass yeah. was not doing that. Candlemass was, that's what made it epic Doom. It wasn't doing the pentatonic stuff all the time. Yeah. That and yeah, the vocals, exactly. of course. Those, like, soaring yeah, operatic vocals the, yeah, the completely changes vocals the uh, the effect of the, the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's kind of this uh, almost, you know, I know it's an overused term, but there's kind of a neoclassical feel to it. Like, you know, you can you can hear it all over Epicus, Dumicus, Metallicus, specifically like that middle section and Blackstone Wielder. Uh, yeah, yeah. And like, like the, the fantasy themes, you know? Yeah. Lyrical themes, that is. Yeah. Yeah, it's more maybe more grounded in European music in the way that black metal or second wave black metal kind of is. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, would, yeah. I would say that's pretty astute. Yeah. Yeah. Word. So, so cool. So there's this epic doom tradition. Um, maybe we'll come back to the bigger picture stuff. Uh, but for now, then let's just dive into like, you know, band mechanics bullshit. So you guys are currently in the middle of recording your uh, second full length record, which is Ascent of Kings. Yes. Yes, yeah, correct. How's were you working on it today? Well, uh, Friday I was in the studio for 13 hours. That so that was a long day, but I I got the rhythm guitars done. So we're still pretty early into recording. We have drums and we got rhythm guitars. Um, but I mean, yeah, we we've got it fleshed out. Um. I mean, we've been playing. Everyone's been playing. gonna. Everyone's gonna say this, but it's gonna sound fucking amazing. I mean, no band's gonna come into an interview like, "Yeah, our next album's gonna actually sound pretty shit." We kind of just half-assed it, but no, this seriously is gonna sound amazing. Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been practicing the album back to front every week for the past how, like how many years, guys? It's been it's been a while. Like, like Sword of Hand was written like seven years ago. That song yeah. is old. We played it live in Malta as well. That's how yeah, it's been. Yeah, that's that how was old six years ago. So it was it was relatively new when we played it then. 
Yeah, and then parts of Turambar I was writing like literally right after Ave Mortis was finished. You know, so like there there are parts of these songs that go back to like 2013. You know, so, yeah. so we've been we've been playing it constantly for that time period. Uh and yeah, you know, it's 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 about as honed as it's going to be. Not only that, it's 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 polished to a degree that maybe none of our releases have been before. I mean, every possible idea that could be fleshed out, every possible you know, embellishment and ornamentation that we could possibly do this, it, it will be there. This, this will, you know, after this, people are going to be like, Lantian Codex, who's that? Solstice? Yes. Who's that? You know, it's, it, no, I'm, yeah. I'm not kidding. Like, this is, you know, this is very much keeping in the, in the spirit of arrogance of Cromwell, but like, people aren't ready for what's going to get released this year. So how did the songs change as you played them? Oh, okay. Actually, I think well, it would be maybe uh, better to compare to what we have now versus what we had recorded on Ave Mortis, which is probably what most people who are going to listen to this have heard. Fair enough, yeah. So, uh, now versus Ave Mortis, excellent. Um, so, we have, I would say, the first thing you're going to hear is that we've stepped up the kind of sound you'll hear on, like, Bathory Hammerheart. Mm -hmm. uh, that was always an influence, but I feel like it wasn't as foremost present as what you're first going to hear when you listen to this album. Um, and then we have kind of, so initially I was like, this is an epic doom band. So we got to play at like this sort of tempo range and this kind of riffs, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Uh, we've kind of moved away from that and we're just writing more free, free form. Um, so the song structuring is way more fluid. Uh, no verse chorus structure at all. It's all fluid riff flowing into the next riff, motifs reappearing um, across songs and between songs, so you'll hear being reused uh, from earlier parts of the album. So it's definitely a very unified whole, while at the same time there's more variation. Um, we have really fast tempos in some parts, uh, which you won't hear in the typical Epic Doom band, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the way it's worked in, it's, it sounds very uh, as a whole. It doesn't sound like it's just like, oh, all of a sudden there's a, the fast part or something. The album is also, it, it's faster and slower at the same time than anything mm -hmm. else we've done. You know, it's, uh, it's yeah. definitely the extremes are much more, <laughs> much more broad yes. relief. But uh, we worked very hard on not, yeah. we worked very hard on not making that a gimmicky thing, right? Because with, with death metal, for instance, mm -hmm. as it people tried to push the envelope of extremity that became mm -hmm. a thing which was like oh we're just gonna go faster on the fast parts and slower on the slow parts and we'll slam back and forth between them so that it's more extreme but songwriting suffered it was detrimental um in a lot of cases so we've made sure we worked very hard on that not being the case that the fast yeah. parts sound like they should be there and it's not just yeah, because i think oh, it's got to be faster now to do something different i think it's also just the natural evolution of us playing together for so long that there's going to be I don't know, more of a chemistry, more of a natural growth just together as a band, right? Yeah, also exactly. Just like when, when Jake goes off time or when somebody goes off time or something like that, like I already know to go off time with them when we're playing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you kind of like, you can follow each other's mistakes. You know, it's uh, not not even just the stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's, I, I would hesitate to use the word technical here, but it's it's definitely like, it's definitely more technical than the last couple of releases we did. Oh, un uh, unquestionably. Yeah. Like, and additionally, I would probably, like, uh, compare the 
structure of the album so far it's very much got like kind of a blood fire death thing going on where we got like the mm-hmm. slow to mid pace songs at the beginning and the end and we got the fast ones in between so uh it'll be cool what were you gonna say yeah you're gonna hear that you're gonna hear those those you're gonna feel that bathory feel a lot that epic bathory feel when you're listening to this album and celtic frost there's a lot of celtic frost jake what were you gonna say I was just going to say, there's safe to say there's also a wider range of time signatures employed in the songwriting by Baron and Roman. And I think in this album in particular, the bass will probably play a larger role in not just rhythm, but doing some melodies as well. I was going to ask about that, actually. Yeah, how you guys as a rhythm section fit into this very guitar, you know, just genre-wise, it's very guitar vocal driven. In some sense, Into Oblivion has more room both for drums and for bass. But how do you see your guys fitting into this? Or yeah, I guess I, maybe how are you finding room for yourself in this sonic setup? I mean, I personally, I try and almost, I don't know, like connective tissue between the between how the guitars are and the drums, right? I try and create almost, not this middle ground, I'd say, but, you know, like just filling that void in between, rather, whether it being um, sort of accenting certain things that Jake does on the drums, because... Like we said, you can sort of know Jake's type of drumming patterns, or like I, I know his style at this point, right? Where you know you can do little things here and there that kind of accent it or, or whatnot. But I mean, even just we've done more like independent, sort of more independent bass lines. Um, I mean, even just really, really like doing full bass chords, like bass power chords, to you know give that that really, really big oomph, you know, to the bottom end when it really needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even Ro- like Roman could speak more to more to that, but me and him tend to like we'll start with something more simple, and then you know once we've played it for half a year, it's like oh you know it sound really really great here, and then we'll start you know throwing more into it, little stuff, even sometimes even simplifying something that was played more technical, just because it it, it sort of just fills fills a certain space sonically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that kind of answers the earlier question about how the songs have changed somewhat over over time of playing them. I mean, like they've gotten a lot of practice into them and like it's like, okay, now I know exactly what that part needs as far as a harmony goes or like should the bass be doing root notes? Should it be doing fifths? Should it be doing something independent? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's that's very much been a a big factor because, yeah, because you write the riffs first, you write the riffs Mm -hmm. first, then you write the leads. And then, like, it's like, okay, well, how is the bass going to accentuate this the best? Or how are the drums going to accentuate this the best? Yeah, symbol. Uh, selecting which symbol to use uh, on a certain riff, right? Uh, oh, yeah, for I'm, instance, I'm really that artistic about that. Yeah. <laughs> you are. And it's actually good. I don't think I don't think much about it, right? I just kind of like, ah, Jake can figure it out. Roman's very... He thinks about what symbol should be where. And there's parts where, like, uh, you, you'll know what I mean when I say, you know, the sleaze riff in Turambar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you wanted the, uh, the ride there, right? The ride bell? Yeah, yeah. The and when I was right. listening to the tracks we have now, I was like, okay, if that didn't, it would not sound as sleazy if it didn't have the ride bell there. Yeah, yeah exactly. If it has to have exactly. the ride bell. That was that's a very good choice. And like little <laughs> tiny, tiny details like that from the top down are being uh, disseminated. Yeah, and uh, just as a final point, you know, it's, uh, I'm just reminded of something here because we're talking about rhythm section. You know, Brandon's talking about bass and he's talking about how the bass is connected tissue. Just reminds me of something uh, years ago, years and years back, Wrath from Averse Sephira said about bass, where he's just kind of like, the bass is kind of like the cross bridge between the two parts of a DNA helix that like, you know, exactly. it's like the rhythmic aspect of the drums with the melody of the guitar. And, you know, 
And I think, you know, that's that's a good guideline for what you want base to do generally. Yeah. So in a way, like uh, if, if I got what you were saying, uh, you, Roman, just now and then Brandon earlier, um, uh, it's it seems like maybe the, the bass is playing more directly to things that Jake is doing on the drums than the guitars are. Yes. Yeah, okay. I so, yeah. I, I, I like to think that way. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's certain things, that, like I said, that Jake does that I like to sort of try and accentuate, you know, if it's a certain, you know, he has a certain um, like a kick pattern or something, you know, I'll try and accentuate those. If it's a little fill, something like that, just to, like I said, create create that con- like that connective tissue between so between uh, the guitar and the drum there. Jake, and then, how, wait, uh, what? Oh, sorry. Can I go one more thing? Yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah. The other opportunity you have with bass. So when you're playing like 230 BPM riff that's that's when you want the bass right on the drums right you don't want it doing extra shit that just clogs your ears but when you're playing the slow riffs that's when you can have the guitars doing a harmony with each other and the bass doesn't have to just play root notes when you're playing really Mm -hmm. slow the doom riffs the bass can be doing its own thing and carrying its own melody line and the ear can pick all that out separately put it together and it sounds really good so we have a lot of that going on too Oh yeah, between the between the bass and the rhythm guitars and the leads, like we have sections on this album that are like four part, five part harmony, you know, because everything's doing something different. It's awesome. Uh, so yeah, maybe let's get into that then. So, how do, I mean, how, how, Baron? How do you and Roman split up the guitar writing duties? Uh. So we pretty much just bring riffs to the table and just try to put them together uh, in in sessions. Um, as far as far as writing, you mean, right? Yeah, yeah. So or like, like I'll, so I'll write is there riffs. is there a th- so I take it there's no rhythm lead division? No, no, absolutely not. No. So we both we both just write riffs. We bring them. We say, here's this riff I have. Here's this riff I have. Some of them might fit together and they go into one song. Uh, some of them maybe don't, and we continue to add to them to create a song uh no rhythm lead division we both have tons of leads all over the place um <laughs> we always have all every recording we have there's dual lead guitars all over yeah you know uh yeah the, the way the writing process kind of goes is that uh, typically speaking i mean it, it's all over the place like some some songs are almost entirely written by baron some are entirely written by me but usually we have some commentary to make on each other's work and uh, we'll be like, oh, try this instead of that. Hey, here's a riff that would work in there. Here's a lead we could do here. So, yeah, you know, I'd say for where, the most part, those Paul songs, Mukes, songs tend like to have one guy or another as like the main mastermind behind them. Uh, so, yeah, I, w- I would say that that's pretty much how we divide up, you know, the riff writing and the songwriting and the guitars. So, so admirable lack of ego there, I think. Huh, I mean, yeah, ironically, I don't know. know if you know, could, man, I don't know if you could ever say that about us, but uh, perhaps in that instance, it maybe applies a little. Well, maybe ego and ego in the aggregate, but I think you know. Let's well, let's put it this way then: mutual respect. Yes. For sure. Yes. Yes. Cromluck is like a uh, basically like Baron. Baron and I are riff tyrants. You know. Uh, you know. We're kind of like. 
I don't know, like the two consuls in the Roman Senate or like the two sacred kings of Sparta mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. something like that. Or like, didn't like Turkic yeah. tribes have like two sacred kings or something that like kept each other in check or something? I don't know. Anyways, that's kind of like the thing we got going oh. on here. You know, you can't just have one guy doing everything. You know, we kind of uh, balance each other out. There's ways in which writing with Baron has like, aside from like, aside from the various influences you would obviously have, you know, from, you know, great bands and everything else like that. I, I think we've probably influenced each other's writing style pretty heavily, or at least like I know that like. Oh yeah, we have. Yeah, because yeah, I've written riffs, and I've thought like, oh, this sounds like one that Roman would write, and I'm pretty sure it's it goes both ways. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Like, I can't like the the riff that you wrote at the end of Shadow and Flame has made me write so many other riffs. You know, because I'm like, yeah, man, like I, write I don't know, like that. Turin Bar or something. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're great. We're great, man. Much, yeah. Yeah, it's this. It's almost like this album's Shadow and Flame in a way, you know. Yeah, yeah, I always thought. That's awesome. Shadow and Flame is the last one on Ave Mortis. Is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Word. Yeah. So, what is what's so special about that one? Oh, it's the last riff right there. It's well, just, aside from the fact, it's that got it's this really slow melodic dual guitar harmony riff with a really nice solo at the end, and I I love the way it ends the album. Um, so yeah, we, we have something similar going on. Yeah, that, that one's kind of, yeah, that was one, um, we wrote about, uh, you know, the, the fall of Gondolin and, you know, yeah. fighting Balrogs and all that kind of stuff. It's, that's, uh, that, that's, that's one I remember very, very distinctly from, from the first album. I mean, you remember all of them, but it was a good, it was a good closer and Turambar will be a similarly great closer. Uh, that's it. You can see we're going very heavily with the Lord of the Rings theme right here. Well, and especially parts of the Lord of the Rings that don't get enough play. And, you know, I've said it on the show before, but I always thought, like, nobody understands how metal the elves are. <laughs> well, maybe maybe Blind Guardian. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, I've if never heard any, If anyone Guardian. understands every part of the Tolkien legendarium, yeah. probably be Blind Guardian. Yeah. Yes. So, so cool. What, what, so Turin Bar, that's that Turin's a king of men, right? Yeah, yeah, Tur, yeah, Tur, uh, Turin, Turin Bar, master of doom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, master. very he tragic was, tale. I, yeah, he, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a tragic. I wouldn't exactly call him a king, right? Because, like, uh, in that part of the Cimmerillion, men didn't really have kings yet. Mm. Uh, but, like, yeah, he was kind of, you know, he was, uh, he was a, he was in the house of, Okay, I'm trying to remember. This has been a while since I've read that story, but uh, yeah, same. I'm, I feel very rusty. I feel very unprepared for this. <laughs> oh, then we, we can move well, on. Thingle. Yeah, he was he was in Thingle's court. He was in Thingle's court court in the kingdom of Doriath, and there's like this entire like, yeah, there's an entire tragic tale that happens with it, and he ends up, uh, yeah, he ends up marrying his own sister, and oh. then they finally both realize what they've done, and you know this. Yeah, the Od there's like the Odepo Odepol, um edge to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, this, it's a great story. It's a great story. This, I, mean, I, I guess Oedipus was his mother, but you know, same kind yes, of thing but, going on. Okay, but th there's a reason. There's a reason we chose this, uh, Kevin and I, uh, mm -hmm. as a, as a lyrical. It's, theme, it's because we're big Kevin. fans of incest. No, actually, it had to do more with the fact that, like, you know, listen, people are familiar with you know Lord of the Rings and then the Cimmerillion, but then like then there's all the stuff like Tolkien had the Notion Club papers and like the unfinished tales and all this other stuff, and he was actually see, what people forget about the Cimmerillion is that like Christopher Tolkien put it together after Tolkien died, so like you know it's like it, it's 
not exactly like there are things it's, in there that it's an assembly not finished works right so yeah, it, it there, is an there were these ideas in tolkien's uh writing about uh turnbar instead of turnbar being a strictly like tragic figure he's kind of brought back at the end of the first age to fight in that final battle against melkor so there's this more redemptive aspect to it mm. which is uh very consistent with tolkien's whole idea of eucatastrophe you know the entire idea where like something bad happens but a greater good arises from it uh if, if kevin was here he could explain more in detail but you, you guys will be able to read it in the lyrics when uh you know when the album comes out Word. That sounds great. Yeah, I think so. I, I remember that Tolkien's sort of uh, his his epic was uh, Children of Huron, right? One of these posthumous works. Published. Yeah, yeah. But, but that that has like focuses on that particular tale. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a great right. story right there. Uh, by the way, just uh, now that we're here uh, and now that I've mentioned Kevin. Uh, hey, Brandon, oh. do, do, oh, do we yes. want to air Kevin's grievances out? Yes. Um, OK, so uh, if I may, let me grab my. Let me grab my paper here. <laughs> the the okay. ritual airing of grievances has begun. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, so Kevin couldn't make it today because he had to return the videotapes. Uh, he left this list of grievances for both you and the death metal guy. Um, these are just generalized. Uh, you guys can figure out who he's talking about on all of these. Um, <clears throat> the last dissection album is garbage. Grand declaration <laughs> of war is terrible. <laughs> You don't like in the nightside eclipse. That You're that opinion. is a major transgression. Hey, hey, hey! hey. <laughs> your your opinion of Dawn of the Dying Sun is wrong. It's a solid C album. But no. your but your opinion your opinion of Into Oblivion is wrong. <laughs> you you only just listened to Altars of Madness recently. <laughs> Boys to men aren't a full band anymore. And finally, when did that get added to the grievances, buddy? You got to pay attention to the group chat. And finally, okay. and finally, here, his back hurts. He's tired, and I quote: "He remembers the Cold War, but none of you motherfuckers do." <laughs> Is that a <laughs> long you know, remember? Record? I think he remembers smoking in Wendy's. Yeah, yeah and he Arby's. remembers smoking, he remembers in, smoking smoke in Arby's. Anymore. Yeah. He remembers smoking in the mall. He remembers smoking in A and W in the mall. Yeah, so he he wanted he wanted me to uh, to share that because he he couldn't he couldn't make it today. Uh, so you can figure out who he was talking about on each of, each one of those uh, those grievances there. Well, I've I've had my scribe transcribe a copy of those, and uh, we'll we'll consider it later. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, yep. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just glad he was paying attention. Oh, <laughs> hey, that that episode. Yeah, now now the... we have become the interviewer. Now you now you're caught off guard. You don't have the. Oh prep. man, we we flipped the interview. Ah, <laughs> uh, where are the Joe Rogan? How now? arrogant of us! Well, you you can ask me about you can ask me about each of the grievances and I'll shoot. But that was a good episode about in the night side eclipse versus alters of madness. It was very interesting, you know. Uh, definitely a little bit humbling for me, but you know I got to take my licks. Um, uh, I think you know what I learned from that in the end was I was I think uh, you know like I like Nightside better than the Death Metal guy does for sure. But in the end, I feel like my 19 year old prejudices 
in only listening to early emperor were kind of confirmed ah. so it's uh i don't know it's it you know what it is it's a transitional work that's the thing it hmm. seems it seems like it's no it, i would what? i would say it's the culmination of their uh like strictly black metal output like just, you're saying it's transitional between the early raw stuff and like uh um I'm I'm brain farting on the name of the next album. Well, Anthems to the Wolken. Yeah, Anthems, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is the spicy take that we emerged from that show with. Yeah. I mean, in that like a lot of those songs were finished. The some of the best of those songs were finished earlier. Like for me, Hordan's Land or the uh the Emperor EP are really the kind of fundamental ones. I mean that is that that is true, but like I will just say that like the the album version of Cosmic Keys to My Creation and Times is like it you can't like you can't replace it with the with the version they had on the Emperor EP. You just can't like you know because it doesn't have that same ascending keyboard thing in the same way. So like I, I do like those uh, those finished versions a little better. But you know what? Then it's also uh, yeah. I guess it all all comes back to teen nostalgia too. That's a big part of it. It. Hordan's Land was literally the first black metal CD I got. So it's, yeah, you just get partial to oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But I see what hard you mean. To, hard to become an objective evaluator of, of certain things like that. Yeah, also I see what you mean about Cosmic Keys in that that song has more textured chording than the rest yeah, of the early yeah, yeah. songs. The, early, so the other early songs I, I got into instantly because they had these bludgeoning power chords. But that one has kind of like black metal chords. And those mm. carry differently with the better production. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can understand that. Yeah. Um, All right, cool. Well, um, yeah. Any any summary thoughts on Emperor and Alters of Madness, or do we shall we? Uh, yeah, we. I think we can move on from this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so cool. So, I suppose keeping it uh, keeping the spotlight on on Kevin. Uh, and how does do you still share? Oh, don't, don't put a spotlight on him. That shiny oh, he's blinding man. Blind yourself. <laughs> I have a migraine for years. Okay, okay. <laughs> Putting the spotlight on the uh, on the sort of the 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 rising swirl of cigarette smoke. Right? <laughs> you know. uh, that's okay. actually that's actually what the 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 cloud of smoke is for. It it diffuses the glare. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a cloaking technique, if you will. That's how he sneaks up on you. All right, it's Irishmen. They're very yeah. tricksy. Mm. It's wily. Yeah, this is what well, we do every practice to Kevin. So, yeah, nothing new here. Yeah, yeah you basically just walked into Cromwell practice. I, I hope you. Yeah, Ke Kevin is a bit of a whipping boy for us. <laughs> I, I, I think that's that's the perfect. I'm glad I'm getting the Cromwell practice experience. Um, he, he loves yeah, it's a, yeah. Usually, usually, uh, you know, we'll play a, like before. You know, we play a song or two. Sit down, make fun of Kevin for a bit. Think about a shit post to make, and do it, and then go. Oh man, we should probably start playing some more songs. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how like we do. You know, if if you check out our uh, our presence on Facebook, we do shit post and make memes and stuff. But uh, we always, we take our music very seriously. Like, I, I hate, like, goofy, joke, fucking pizza thrash. All that stuff is garbage. When it comes to music, yeah. we take that 100% seriously. You don't, none of that bleeds through into the music. We're just, uh, yeah. just funny guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, with the, I mean, you're, 
the, the term the terminus Facebook uh, page, uh, you know, we're, we're we're brothers in shit posting arms here. We we both oh, yeah. we both understand it, but like yeah, you you guys have I, some like, good content. Yeah, like what I think, like what I said before about in terms of us shit posting on Facebook, the our shit posts generally the people who like them are people who understand that we're one hundred percent serious about our music, and the people who complain about it or you know or 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 like oh these guys suck. It's like they're usually they're usually the ones who are the first to complain about if a band is slightly controversial or or this or that. Like it, there's you know they're always these these you know limperist post posers who, who will complain about everything. But it's kind of funny the guys who are very very serious about metal understand that we're serious about our music, but we're, you know we'll look at our memes and think oh these guys are these guys are funny like they're taking the piss right. It's 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 a it's a pretty funny comparison of who who understands why or what we're doing there but we're 100 percent serious about our music compared to bands who will you know pretend to be serious about this and that but you know the slightest slightest thing they'll be like oh this is done like we're done with this band yeah exactly hey uh, so let's uh, let's get back to uh putting a spotlight on the uh, swirl of smoke uh masking uh Kevin's above the Irishman. Very good. Oh yeah, that was that was probably a better question than talking about our shit yeah. posts. Yeah, all right, <laughs> so, uh, all right the, uh, the 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 smoke rising above the occupied counties of his skull. Um, yes. But uh, so so he uh, so how does how do the lyrics work here? Because I think at the beginning on uh, Ave Mortis, it looks like uh, Kevin was sort of splitting vocal duties with Roman. It's shifted more towards Kevin, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so basically what kind of happened is that playing the kind of music we play and singing effectively at the same time is just not easy. It's it's not easy, especially if you're trying to be ambitious with either of those things, whether you're talking about the guitar playing or the vocal melodies. Uh so I'll I'll write you know, I'll write a lot of the vocal melodies, but then being able to actually sing them live. I mean, it's good to have a standalone singer for that. Plus like Kevin's, a, Kevin's a freaking amazing front man. <laughs> he's like, you know, in, in a, he in a really way is. That he's so heard. high energy. It's, it's, yeah. Amazing. You know, he's great. So like that, that's awesome. For an old man, you know, you know, um, but the, the main thing here was that basically like, yeah, on the, on the first album, we were, we were kind of still figuring that out. And over time it's like, okay, we're gonna get Kevin. To well, there sing was technical. As- there were technical considerations, or practical, yeah. I should say, right? Uh, right? That being that basically Kevin joined in the middle of the process of recording Ave Mortis, or just yeah. before, more or less, it was like yeah. right then, you know. And like we were young, we hadn't put anything, any real release out yet. We had fire in our bellies. We wanted to get it out. So Roman was already doing all the vocals at that time. Kevin learned a few tracks, uh, but we just we wanted to get the release out. We were just really excited to do that. So we had Roman record uh, some of the tracks entirely, Pretty and some of the tracks as well. So there, there was the practical consideration of just we didn't want to delay the album so that Kevin could learn all the vocal lines and all the tracks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and just to you know round that off, I mean, essentially the the idea was always to have once he was the standalone vocalist to have him sing as much of everything as possible, unless there was something that. I did better unless there was something that was like more suited to my voice because he's a tenor and I'm a baritone. So, mm. you know, the, the vocal range is, uh, you know, complimentary and, you know, some things are like too low for him. Some things are too high for me and we just make it work that way. Word. Yeah. And so the lyrics are still coming from you then? Well, so it's kind of all over the place on the, on the first album, uh, Baron wrote 
lyrics for quite a few of the songs. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wrote the rest of them. I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, the first album was just me and Baron. And then after that, like the majority yeah, of the lyric writing at this point is actually Kevin. Actually, uh, wait, did Kevin write lyrics for um, Lend Me Your Steel? No, that was me. Or was that was you? Okay, so he didn't write any lyrics for Ave Morta. No, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, that was me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, by the time we got to, yeah, by the time we got to the Iron Guard EP, he wrote the lyrics for, uh, or you know what? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he wrote he wrote Iron Iron Fist Iron Will, or Iron Will Iron Fist rather. Uh, and then Lair of Doom was an older song that Baron had, uh, you know, that Baron had written. So he did those lyrics. And on on this album, I mean, like Kevin and I kind of do go a little back and forth. Like we do uh, we do suggestions and maybe add parts uh, to each other's lyrics occasionally. But on this album, I think the only one I did lyrics for. Yeah, I literally only did lyrics for one song. It was uh, the first song, Samaria, and then everything else is Kevin. Word. Th that's on uh, on this new one coming up. Yes, yes. Samaria. Yeah, big big Conan influence for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you oh, know, absolutely. Uh, that's been there since day one. Yeah, 100%. And actually, with that song in particular, uh, and with those lyrics and everything, I mean... I, I was going through. Have have you read the uh, the short Robert E. Howard poem Samaria? I God no, I have. Is there? I, I need to read the book. Oh, I have some grievances. Okay. Oh oh wait, there's oh, grievances. Oh no, this this out does <laughs> we'll not add, listen we'll to add, all to alters we'll, of we'll, madness. We'll add, we'll, we'll add that to the grievances. Uh, get your transcriber to put that on there. That's that's number one. That's that's a first. Wait, wait right. what was the grievance? That he he hasn't read that uh, all of Conan oh, okay, yeah, stories. Yeah, 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 all definitely, Robert definitely. E. Howard <laughs> Well, at at any rate. It's, and it's, associated it's a good side poem, poem and like I like the lyrics to it and it it actually honestly Tanji Warrior probably pulled a couple of lines from there. There's a couple hmm. of lines in there that he used in uh, Circle of the Tyrants, uh, which for me is very appropriate because like Celtic Frost. For me, Celtic Frost is the ultimate opponent. Is, is Steel Bearing you know? Hand in that poem? Uh, no, but like uh, and the hunts and the wars are as everlasting shadows. That's that that's okay. in there. That Ooh. that's uh, that's from Robert E. Howard. And so, anyways, like you know. I kind of like took that as an inspiration to like, you know, write a, uh, write a song that was like, you know, based on a little more, you know, obscure Robert E. Howard stuff has still have the barbarian thing going on as everybody will hear. Samaria is very much a very Celtic frost kind of song. And, uh, and the lyrics kind of like go with the whole thing of like, well, you know, barbarian misty gray shrouded lands and Sumerians and Scythians and that's all kind of close to my heart because you know I'm Ukrainian and mm -hmm. Scythians were in Ukraine so oh you know, do you want to uh, explain to people the Samaria Scythia relationship because they probably don't totally get it uh yeah I mean they were just kind of like they were kind of like you know barbarian steppe people that inhabited that that region you know in the Iron Age and oh. you know later on Homer you know. talks about like Chimeria, uh, land of mists, where the, yes. the doors to Hades are, right? Yes, that's right. That's right. That's exactly it. So it's a, uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's it's got it's some pretty cool imagery, you know. Awesome. And so it's it's interesting that like so in so you guys kind of hear Celtic Frost as fitting into this heavy metal tradition. Well, I do. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, it's it's kind of a me thing. Yeah, it's like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, uh, I, I have to say that like that nothing has ever sounded more Conan the Barbarian to me than Celtic Frost. And so that was kind of those, out, that's one of those syntheses we kind of brought in from outside traditional heavy metal. But honestly, if you listen to 
if you listen to Angel I mean you can literally Angel picture Conan saying ooh like, yeah, exactly. I mean, like <laughs> a great a gray <laughs> ape emerges from the shadows that he has to defeat in hand to hand combat or something like ooh. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and like the connections there because like you go back to you go back to like the Angel Witch demos from like the late 70s and Tom G. Warrior will talk about how Extermination Day was something they used to practice like all the time as Hellhammer. And you can hear it because it basically sounds like the Hellhammer song Messiah. And then, you know, you oh, listen Messiah. to... Oh, Messiah. Yeah, yeah. And then you listen to Angel of Death by Angel Witch and it's got like, you know, it's got some, you know, it's got some Celtic Frosty riffs in it and, you know, a bunch of other stuff like that. So like, it's, it's still part of that period of metal where like everything's kind of influencing everything else and, you know, and, and the genrefication is much less strict at that point. And uh, so, yeah, there's definitely that there's that heavy metal aspect in that. And I wanted to bring that back. Plus, you know, you listen to Candlemas and you listen to Epicus Dumicus Metallicus and other ones. And like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, it's it's very much traditional heavy metal. But because of the doom aspect, it's also got some heavy metal stuff. Sorry, so it's got some heavier stuff, uh, more chromatic riffing and, you know, just like really like dark stuff that kind of crosses over more with that. You can even hear you can even occasionally hear a little bit little bit of this in Manila Road. Like it's all like whether they all understand what they're doing or not, they're all tapping into kind of the same idea. So I really wanted to bring that in. I would say that like if um, if there was a if there was a vision for the very first song of the of the album, Samaria, it's basically Viking era Viking era Bathory plus two Megatherion, but like done heavy metal. That's that's what the first song of the album is gonna be like. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of almost like a an alternate universe take on the main influences for the second wave of black metal. Yeah, I, I actually, I think I, I think I actually might have jacked the riff from Catharian Life Code for this song. So yeah, because that's what, because that's <laughs> yes, exactly yes. what Dark Throne was listening to, right? I mean, yeah, ba yeah. Ba like literally, candle, like Bathory, Celtic Frost, and Candlemass. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. All right, so let's keep going with that then. Let's return to the idea of Kromlik as extreme heavy metal, So, which we're already kind of there. Um, interesting. So there are like a few sort of like interesting eccentric aspects of the sound on Iron Guard, and I wonder if, if you're continuing those. So one thing is I think I didn't totally get it with the vocals at first, but now I appreciate it. On a lot of places on Iron Guard, Kevin is doing constant vibrato. When and how did that come in? That's just how he naturally sings. I, I think so. I mean, he's not here. I, I think that's just him. I uh, feel like so. there was a little less of it on Ave Mortis, but maybe it's just because he's going so hard at the beginning of... Uh, uh, yeah, we pushed, we pushed him to sing with more power and projection very hard on that release, so I think mm. that's just him just pushing, right? I think that's his vocal cords, just like straining at their limit, trying not to explode. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, we actually, uh, I, I guess I'll just tell an, an anecdote since he's not here to tell it. We did actually make him explode his vocal cords once. Uh, we were oh, covering yeah. um, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, right? That was the one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was the one. And there's that one part where Ozzy just goes like maximum shriek mode right i don't mm -hmm. know what note it is but it's crazy sabbath, high bloody sabbath. You know yeah it's like yeah. it's so high and we were, we were practicing it and he was getting it but yeah one time his he just like couldn't speak properly for four weeks after that so we, we cut the cover we didn't uh didn't end up proceeding with that one yeah we, we've abused kevin to the point where we physically damaged his voice <laughs> <laughs> it came back though it got better <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> 
I mean, that's closer to how it used to work, right? I mean, there's a huge difference between harsh vocals in the... I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking, is that the vibrato is kind of like your guys' heavy metal version of harsh vocals. It's like a constant natural distortion effect. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's uh, interesting. Hey, uh, mm. I, I hate to interrupt here, but I do need to take a So, uh, you guys oh, your your, your man of war your man of war style cod piece uh, fitting uh, has come up. Yes, that's right. Yes, I need to go do that. So I'm gonna go do that. I I want to just before I go. Thanks for the interview. This has been awesome, and uh, looking forward to seeing how the rest of it goes. Cheers. Have a good fitting. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Ho ho ho. Station. The world is creating a new, 
Through which all 
fragmented alike But you're Get his airbrushed gauntlets either. <laughs> I hope you all have gauntlets. We do actually. We used to yeah. play with them, but it. Uh, I found it like they, they slide down your wrists. Oh, it was it was, was awful, man. Thinking, so, yeah, yeah. So, oh, because yeah, if you're sweating and whatever, that. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, so here's another um, extreme cromlet question. Um, a thing I noticed about. Is, so back, like like you said, Baron, when you started this, there was very little of the Epic Doom stuff. This was also on the, in the last phase of what on the show we call the Dark Days of Metal, basically. Um, you know, 20, yep. 2011. So at that time, I don't think this has really changed exactly, but there's this stigma against Chug in basically any genre of serious metal. And the stigma right. was extremely strong then because everyone could still remember, like, uh, American Metalcore. Like, or, like, poppy right. American yeah. Metalcore. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I always pushed against that. Yes. Because that's that's just being reactionary, right? It's like, oh, this this shitty off-growth of metal overuses it, so we're just going to never use it. No, no, that's wrong. There's very much a place that you need chugs in metal. Um, so I always pushed against that. I always wanted to have chugs. Um and actually, I've brought Roman. I feel like Roman was a little more chug averse mm -hmm. uh, when we started, and he's he's he writes a lot of chugs now. Hell yeah! Are there going to be so I, we can we can expect some rich, funky? Oh, you chugs. can expect oh. fat, juicy chugs. We oh, just recorded them chugs. this week. We just recorded them last weekend, man. Yeah. They're uh, they're good. Did you do all the chugs in one go? <laughs> For the whole uh, record, how do you mean? No, no, it was a dumb well, I, joke. I did all my guitars in one session. Uh, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like I said, 13-hour 13, 13 day just this Friday, I did yeah. all mine. Shit, so um, as far as... Uh, oh, yeah, also the chug thing is something that Solstice did on New Dark Age, but that other people yes, did absolutely. not pick up on. And I feel yep. like and you that's guys... an essential part of the sound on New Dark Age, like uh, mm -hmm. uh, the Sleeping Tyrant, that dun 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 that massive chug. It's so huge. It's so heavy. That song would not be the same without that. I feel like you guys pick up on yeah. 
So something that's interesting is, although you guys fit less well into the, quote, epic doom niche, you sound more like Solstice than a lot of those other bands. Yeah. It's like, bigger. I definitely would have cited that as my number one influence in starting Cromluck. That was a revelatory album for me, man. I didn't know that. I didn't know that I could... I, like, liked Iron Maiden. I, I had gone into metal yeah. enough that at that point I unironically liked Iron Maiden. But, like, I had never heard a metal album I could sort of take seriously on a spiritual level in the way I did I assume metal. you're talking about, like, like heavy metal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yeah, proper like metal. Okay, yeah. Yeah, proper yeah, metal, yeah. heavy metal. Yeah. That I could, like, take seriously in the way that, like, Black Metal... I did with Black Metal or something, or Amoebix. Right. And then I heard New Dark Age, and I'm like, holy shit. First metal song I ever heard was Hallowed Be the Name by Iron Maiden. Uh, you know how it was the first real metal song you heard, right? You were just like, mm -hmm. what is this? I Like, where has this been? I need to hear everything I can possibly hear. You become mm -hmm. obsessed. You start listening as much metal as you can possibly find all the time. Uh, very shortly after, I heard Slayer, mm -hmm. Angel of Death. Then it was like the same. It was like the next level, the same thing all over again. Like, wow, Iron Maiden was one thing. But like, what is this? What is What the fuck is Slayer? This is insane. I didn't even know music could be like this. Um, and then from there, of course, it was... I had to go further so I got into death metal and I didn't really listen to a ton of traditional metal at first so I guess the same um process as you were development as you were talking about right I went kind of Iron Maiden Metallica Slayer Thrash all that death metal got really into death metal and then a few years later I started going back and exploring more of the traditional metal bands and uh you know I liked a whole bunch of traditional metal as I got really into Manila Road Hmm. They're very unique sounding, right? They don't sound like other traditional... I mean, they do in a way, but they have a very unique sound. Uh, probably informed by the fact that they were so prog-influenced. Um, and, and Solstice, another band that I was... And Candlemass, I was obsessed with those. Because they have a unique sound that you don't hear. It's not as like... It's not, uh, you know, so temporally... Um, you can't determine, like, a lot of metal you listen to is like, yeah, this is really 80s. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Traditional metal, but like stuff like Solstice. Like Solstice has this incredible sound. It sounds so distinctly English. So, anyways, that that had a big uh, influence on me because it didn't had a very unique sound, and um, I wanted to do something like that, right? Something that wasn't like temporally locatable. Like, oh, this is from this. You can hear, you listen to it, and you can hear like, oh, this is from this scene and this time. It's got that kind of like. Uh, aspect and feel to it that you can place where it's from you can't really do that with solstice there was no i can't think of a band at the time that sounded like solstice there was just solstice uh now since uh since then there's been other bands like atlantean codex that have done similar things mm -hmm. but at that time it's very unique what do you make of uh rich walker as a lead player that always struck me as a very unique part of solstice yeah absolutely yeah he um i think that's where you can say most of that sound comes from that like Anglo-Saxon ancient sound. He uses like kind of Celtic sounding, mm -hmm. you know, uh, scales or something to something to the way he plays. It has a folky, folky tone to it. Yeah, it sounds folky, but not like particularly. It yeah, you can hear a lot of Celtic in it, but it doesn't sound Irish particularly, right? He's got no, like, no. It sounds English. It it's it's the it's, maiden it's, its own thing, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what else? Um, other, uh, yeah. So we talked about the talked about the chugs. Um, mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Oh, I mean, other things related to solstice. Just, I mean, there. Are, 
on Ave Mortis, and I think on, on Iron Guard, there are all these kind of awesome, uh, we can broaden this out, but, like, I feel like there are a lot of kind of, um, metal, metal nerd Easter eggs littered throughout your music. Like, these kind of, like, <laughs> tasteful nods or something. Yes, um, yes, we, we do those. Um, I don't really expect anyone to pick up on them. Um, I feel like they're pretty obscure and pretty placed in, you know, a, not an obvious way, but if someone's listening close enough to get those, then that's great. Yeah, I mean, you've got, like, uh, Lend Me or Steal. It seems like sometimes you're taking things that Solstice did as just, like, little uh, kind of throwaways and, like, developing them into full ideas. So, like, uh, Lend Me or Steal is just, like, the coolest part of that one Solstice song, and you just make a song out of it, right? Um, right, yeah, out of the song yeah. Cromlick, yeah, when he says Lend Me or Steal. Yeah. yeah, and where you get that pattern of the general singing and the army shouting back. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, or, like, um, yeah, there's some musical, I, you can hear musical quotes for sure, too. Uh, you can hear uh, Mighty and Superior. That's an Eisentor quote. Yeah, that's uh, Eisentor. To see them. And and you, you work in an Iljarn tribute at some point. Somebody's got a song about Conan that yeah. involves uh, yelling strength and anger. Yep, that's that's Roman. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that shit's awesome. That was another little Easter egg, yeah. Yep. All right, so... Um, yeah, I, there's definitely a lot. You know, that album's eight years old now. I can't remember all the little things we hid in there. Uh, but th there there are a few. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could we're think of We're listening to a lot of Visentor when we're recording Avi Mortis, yep, so we it were. definitely crept in. And we always had this joke, too, that because Into Oblivion essentially merged with Cromlech, we share so many members. We always joke that Cromlech is becoming more black metal and Into Oblivion is becoming more epic metal. Epic Doom. Yeah, there's some cross-pollination, I guess. Oh, yeah. We, even, yeah. we played with more black metal bands live, I think, than heavy metal bands, too. Yes. I think that, you know, I mean, I, I, th I think in Attitude, you guys have more in common with that than with, as you said, the current generation of heavy metal revivalists. Yeah, it's like... Th there's That's what I was saying, right? Back, back when I started Cromlech, it was all this, like... Well, man, like, hop on your, your motorcycle and ride your, fly your bike into the night. Whoa! Like, all this kind of, uh -huh. and none of these bands are doing that, right? It's all this, like, yeah, goofy uh, 80s retro there's also, posture it's also type just, stuff. I wasn't it's also just that. that. I was going to say, it's also, like, they always try and, like, a lot of them are trying to do this, like, it's almost ironic, they don't really mean it type, you know, type uh type shtick they do right yeah yeah what i was Where, into i'll tell you what i was into yeah. take um take twisted tower dire tony taylor was like a big biker guy right mm -hmm. final yeah. pictures of him with his bike and uh but twisted tower tire dire wasn't doing that stuff twisted tower yeah. dire was doing like man of war inspired power metal i, I personally mm -hmm. i really like the old twisted tower dire material um so i was like hey, that's better right that's what i want to do so for our listeners, Twisted Tower Dire is an American kind of power metal project from the 90s that um, one guy was in this band called Eisentor with uh, Rich Walker yep. from Solstice. And Eisentor almost yep. like just fleshes out all the fastest, most aggressive aspects of Solstice and has yes, yeah, some, of the, some of the most lit lyrics of all time. And apparently Eisentor is releasing something new. Uh, uh, obviously, Tony Taylor's not there. Rest in peace. I uh, guess they're having a new vocalist. They haven't announced who. Mm -hmm. That's sick. I had no idea. But yeah. 
yeah, they, they've been posting that there will be new material being released. So, yeah, so about the um, Into Oblivion kind of uh, soul, or yeah, Into Oblivion Cromlech relationship, um, mm. there is definitely some common, like, inter- aside from just common members, right? There is definitely common musical DNA feeding into yeah. both, right? Um, yes. Yeah. How so? How do you some of that unconventional melodicism where it's not just a harmonic minor scale structure, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like in heavy metal in particular, and with power metal very much in particular, every power metal band just wants to stick to the harmonic minor and sometimes some major major scale structure. They don't want to stray from that. Yeah. So tell. Yeah, we could. Yeah. What's so? What informs? Uh your sense of harmony or I, I don't know what do you, what do you, what do you strive for um is, is uh, yeah so um i do i do use i feel like i used to over rely on that i've been trying to incorporate more uh you can just like throw chromatics in you know you can get away with it it still sounds melodic um into into a riff structure you can put some chromatic stuff in and it gives it a, a different texture um and just not not always be sticking to like okay we're melodic so we have to have that conventional everything follows that scale every note is on that scale yeah we've we've bitched on the show about how people tend to confuse the phrase melodic with consonant yeah 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 no that's so so that's cool so like do you guys have a method for telling apart this might be a better question for like for for roman but i think maybe also for mm. brandon and jake how do you tell what is into oblivion material versus what is cromlech material because there are some riffs i mean i don't know my favorite track on the first album is probably uh between the eagle and trident and that yep. is like that has some black metal riffs on it that could be on the last into oblivion record right? yeah yeah yeah, well, I guess um, like when we first joined Cromlech, Baron had some song material written, and like not to um, downplay what he wrote, but like from the very beginning, it was easy to tell what songs Baron wrote and which Roman wrote, because Baron tended to have more of a formulaic method. He would have a song that had an intro, there'd be a verse, chorus, verse, yeah. maybe some bridge. Whereas Roman, yeah, I had um, too, because... I had too much verse, chorus. Well, you were writing heavy metal. This is actually something I really wanted to talk about. So you were writing heavy metal songs. Yeah, and I, I, like, if you listen to, uh, so actually on Honor, the song Honor from the first album, Roman actually wrote all the riffs, but I wrote the lyrics. And I wrote them as verse-chorus, so that's what the song ended up being. Um, For Red Dawn, that's my track. It was verse-chorus, verse-chorus, bridge, solo, verse-chorus, right? Um... Was there another one? Oh, Lend Me Your Seal was some other riffs in there, but it's, it's more or less verse chorus, right? Those were ones mm-hmm. I wrote entirely. Um, and yeah, so I other things I've written since then, I don't think we've went back to verse chorus since that album. No. Um, yeah, no, we haven't, right? Since then, that was I killed that. And Roman never wrote that way. Roman's always had that flowing um, structure to his songs that isn't verse chorus, so he never wrote that way. Yeah, he'd write songs in a way where there'd be a common motif. He would sort of transform the motif, um, layer it around, play with the layers, a lot like what summoning does, or even you hear that in craft work, um, having a theme that kind of mutates and changes layers. And it's always moving in like a sort of progressive direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, permutations kind of, of a motif yeah. and like taking one part of a riff and using it to... Um, 
structure something in the next riff, which is a different riff, but the I guess that's another motif, right? You're just taking one chunk of it. Yeah. For, go ahead. Kind of was what Into Oblivion brought into Kromach, I think, um, and that also just coincides with how we formed with sharing members. And it kind of had some crossover in that aspect of song structure. Yeah, the word for that is sort of like, pe that's through composition, right? Where you try not to repeat. Is that the right word? Um, ah, uh, sure, I guess so. All right. Yeah, we're, uh, none of us, accurate. I have a little bit of technical training, uh, mm -hmm. a formal, I should say, formal music training. Uh, does any, no one else in the band has any formal music training. Is that right? No, nope. in the words of Jay Reed, no. okay. I don't consider myself a musician. I just attack my drums. I feel like I'm more like an exactly. athlete. Yeah. I just took drum lessons. So I, yeah. Yeah, so I played. I took some classical guitar lessons, and I played piano when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So I have some formal training. Nobody else does. So there's a lot of terms and theory and all this stuff that we may be implementing without knowing that that's what it's called, and that's oh, what the theory is. I'm, I'm also pretty ignorant about that shit. I mean, honestly, for okay. our listeners, if you want to hear more about uh, Roman in particular, his his motivic composition, uh, his the way he writes songs, you should listen to Nick from Hessian Firm's interview with him for the Hessian Scrum podcast. Uh, he goes, yeah, in, that was a good interview. Very that good, was and I think that's I think it's really great that that's just how things worked out because like we're all extremely, like I said, we take our music extremely seriously. Uh, Roman can pick out whatever you play a symphony. He'll tell you what it is. So it's not like he doesn't know music, right? He knows music, but he doesn't have the structured training. And I think that worked out really well because he's not bound to a structure. He just writes what he's heard and what he, he wants. Yeah, he knows something about music history, but he's not constrained by formal training. Yeah, that that's... Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, he is, yeah, his music history and like his knowledge of music as an art form is high, but mm -hmm. as a technical um, thing, he doesn't have the formal training, but he's a competent musician. And in the end that, I think that works out better. I, I mean, that was a funny thing about that interview too, is that like Vir Viriato kept saying, the vocalist <laughs> in Into Oblivion kept saying, I'm the least musically inclined in the band. And then he'd just say stuff about music as an art that made it clear that he like spends a lot of time thinking about how music yes. works yeah, as we an all, art. We all do. And yeah. yeah, exactly. That's That seems to be a characteristic that unites these bands. You guys are... Both bands, I mean, are kind of the epitome of the stupid smart aesthetic we champion at Terminus. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, Into Oblivion is like, you know, very smart music, but with a good gut sense of how to be stupid. And Cromlech is uh, extraordinarily stupid music informed by profound intelligence. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm fucking retarded, so. <laughs> <laughs> we prefer the term uh, ignorant music. Yeah, ignorant. That's yeah. That's uh, ignorant uh, it, riffs. Oh, I, I, I like love it. that term. I love uh, ignorant riffs. That's that's one of the only good things hardcore has given to the uh, metal scene recently. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I say that as someone who started in hardcore, but um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Uh, and I guess this isn't really related, but one thing I did want to say. Actually, I wanted to say while well, Roman was here, but whatever. Um, another thing with uh, having a distinct sound is uh, our lineup has been exactly the same for eight years. If you look at a lot of bands, their lineup changes like all the time. Guys leaving and they get a new person in to replace them. Mm -hmm. um, we've been working with the exact same people for eight years. Same thing for Into Oblivion. Um, and so that's how you develop like a, a signature sound. 
I, I think that's by like swapping swapping people out and then having to train a new guy on all this. I can't even imagine doing that. Like our songs are so long and and complex. I the thought of having to train some some new guy to play them is uh, oh, it just gives you a migraine. So yeah, that's also a thing um, that they, they talked about in the the Hessian interview. But I'd be curious, like how the I mean, how the hell do you do it? Keep the lineup together. That's like always the problem I've had with bands. It's like I mean, obviously it's something just about the right people and situation, but. What is the yeah, work? Well, I mean, yeah. what's the work of well, keeping we, the band together like? We say it all the time, but like literally, my best friends are all the guys in my bands. Um, so that's it, right? It's like why would I get someone else when Aww. there's no, there's not going to be any personal issues or anything, right? Yeah, um, it's, so that, it's that also. Just, I can't I say I planned that, a, but it worked out that way. Yeah, I think it's also just like a mutual, like we're we're all we're all working towards the same kind of goals. We're all very similar and. and to be fair, we've also all kind of grown up together at this point. We've been in the same band for like yeah. 10 years now, right? It's You're all kind of, you're going to sort of mold all together, right? We've all got, you know, yeah. all the same thing. And but it just, like, it, of course, it, it just worked out that we are, because we're all very passionate about metal and take it seriously, then that's a good groundwork. Or a good, uh, framework, yeah. I should say. Like, like, I've looked at my, like, my, a lot of my friends have been in bands, and, like, the guys in, they're in bands with, like, they have nothing in common. Like, they seem to have nothing really in common. They're not even literally like really friends or if they're friends, it's kind of like this sort of passive, you know, passive friendship, whatever. Whereas like with, with, you know, the guys in Cromwell and into living, it's like, yeah, like, like you said, best friends, there's a lot of mutual just, you know, overlapping stuff and, and whatnot. It's, it's yeah, no, it, it always, confu- yeah, it always confused me when guys were in bands with people that they didn't really even like, or, or, or were even, or like, if they're friends, it's they're not really, you know, they're not close friends. It, it, it's weird. And to be fair, most of those bands, if not all of them, have broken up. <laughs> and also, we have great chemistry. Um, it comes with being friends, like we said this to death. But it's hard to imagine having anyone else come in the band to replace anybody. And yeah. with this chemistry we've developed, it's almost like we can predict what we're doing. When we're playing live. We can look at each yeah. other and kind of know. Yeah. It, like where we are in the song, or, right? Um, like I or can when predict Ro- when, when Roman's going to string one of his strings with a, a coat hanger, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we kind of get the parallel suit to when new riffs are developed. You kind of like I have a sense when Roman writes a new riff, how many times it might repeat, um, mm-hmm. it, whether it's going to be a four-four or whether this riff will feed into a new tempo change that will bring like a three-four or a triplet. Like we kind of have some understanding of each other's. Um, writing styles yeah. although most of the writing is done by uh, roman and baron and like we said kevin does most of the lyrics so there's a hierarchy as well and it there's an order in there yeah 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 kevin's lyrics are really good i was like uh when he started writing them i, I read them and i was like oh okay well i guess i don't have to do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah i yeah i i like uh, well, the lyrics for Iron Guard, uh, he does because he does more of them on Iron Guard. The lyrics to that are not um, are, are not up on the internet, as far as I know. But the uh, the, the... Uh, I think they're on Metal Archives. Oh, maybe they're on Metal Archives. archives. I looked on the so band. on that. Wait, on maybe that they release, are on there's the only. Never mind. Sorry. I here are the here they're are the, on the lyrics. Camp? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, anyways, on that release, there's only two tracks that have lyrics, mm-hmm. and one of them, uh, "Lair of Doom," is an older track that we didn't use for Ave Mortis. We re-recorded mm-hmm. it. So that one, uh, those are my lyrics. 
because um, that was back from the beginning when I was writing them. Mm-hmm. And Iron Will is Kevin's lyrics because that was a newer track. Oh, I remember this lyric. Um, a uh, a hostile virility becomes corporeal manifestation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was was that you or Kevin? Uh, that would have been Kevin. Yeah, yeah, it's Kevin. I I didn't write any of the lyrics for for Iron Will. Oh, I okay, I see, because it's a two parter. Uh, yeah. So the yeah. other track with lyrics, Layer of Doom, I wrote those those. Oh, lyrics. okay, no, no, got it. I had it, I had it, I had it turned around. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, so like in well, what about like in terms of just like, so yeah, strongly agree that you should be friends with the people in your band or that you should make a band with people who are already your friends. Um, but how... how well, I can't, I can't say I really did that in the beginning because, again, going back to the first question you asked us, I literally walked into a stranger's shed and was like, yeah, I'll be practicing here now. <laughs> but <laughs> wait, we yeah. ended up becoming best friends, so... And, and wait, yeah, how did you connect with Roman again? It's Did you know him originally or was it purely through music? Yeah, I met him at an Into Oblivion show, Got and it. I think literally the second time I ever hung out with him was when we we jammed my yeah. my riffs and his riffs and formed Chrome. Well, if, if the band produces the friendship, that's that's good too. But um, so so there is that. But like on a more like pedestrian note, I mean, what keeps everyone? It seems like there's this way it's just worked out where everyone actually really prioritizes the band and people seem to have no interest in like, I don't know, moving to the opposite side, moving to Vancouver to pursue some sort of job or something. You know what I mean? Like you guys seem rooted around Toronto. Uh, I actually moved recently, so I'm uh, over an hour drive away from our studio. But I mean, I can can do that once a week. Um, Yeah, it's, I mean... Prom like fucking rules. So who wants to do yeah, that? Right? It's, 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 a, it's not it's not a hard hard commitment to put you know to put in every week or whatever. Right? We're like the thing is we're constantly we're constantly talking to each other like daily. You know, yeah, like, in, who in, wants in to group put and bicep flexing riffs on the back burner? Yeah, not anyone. Ac- yeah, I start wasting away. <laughs> you might also not be able to find an equally skilled tailor of cod pieces in a different city. Exactly. That would be difficult. We have a guy. Yeah. Man, yeah, that's that's just that's a fucking that's a great setup and it is it is so rare. Um feels like everyone uh feels like people are constantly getting even people what that you're friends with get pulled away by, you know, various things, right? Or I've been yeah, the guy, yeah, I've been like... the guy letting things flag because I had too much other stuff to do or whatever you know right yeah yeah Yeah. there's also like a mutual um understanding where no one wants to be the little bitch to skip practice and so we all kind of fear being titled as the bitch to skip practice and that motivates us yes show up (laughs) yes fear is an excellent motivator that's how that's how we wrangle kevin every practice (laughs) (laughs) we abuse each other just as much as we love each other yes I think that is important. Yeah, you got to have discipline. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to have lot. you got to have bondage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I've always I say this to anyone who's my friend. It's like, if I'm not busting your balls about ninety percent of the time being funny, I probably don't like you very much. You know, yeah. uh, there's always a certain amount of ball busting that you know 
everybody understands. Well, it relates, yeah, and it relates to what you guys say about sort of um, arrogance. It's like if you have a friendship between people who are at high intensity, right, it can't, it's not all just like, it needs to be like a, a tensile structure, right? Different forces. Yeah, it's not, it's not civility, right? <laughs> civility. <laughs> exactly. If I'm being civil to you, then I don't like you very much. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, man, yeah, it was, uh, and what was it? There's, there's a great bit. I think it's, there's a great Nietzsche bit where he talks about the Greeks honoring nobody except the friend. And then even then regarding him with a kind of like, uh, with, with a kind of sort of, uh, competitive and distant attitude <laughs> or, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, well, I mean, on that note, like, uh, me and Roman lift weights together. So there's competition there. We're always trying to beat each other's PRs. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's not just band practice. We're hanging out all the time outside of that. Oh, yeah. When did you guys start lifting? Because that has become huge now in, like, black metal subculture, right? And that was not right. the case 10 Which years ago. Which is great. Ago. I'm very, I'm yeah, I'm really happy to see that. Yeah. Uh, I started lifting six years ago, I think. Something like that. Yeah. It's, um, has it, has it informed, how does it inform the music? Uh... More I, testosterone. Yeah, it's like, I can't say that it directly informs the music, mm -hmm. but it's just like, you know, as it changes your attitude into your, your uh, worldview in general a little bit. Like the, uh, just knowing that you can make something out of your, out of yourself, right? You can, you can forge your own flesh even. Um, mm -hmm. So it's kind of a, a passive effect on the music, I guess. I mean, on that note, that's been a thing with our uh, chemistry and music. Uh, the songwriting has always tested the limits of our musicianship. I know me in particular, if you listen to the first Into Oblivion uh, self-release album from 2008, and you hear, you hear my horrendous drumming then, and you hear our most recent uh, albums put out, like all of us, are, we have evolved musically and um, technically as with playing our instruments. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. So it kind of you were saying that kind of parallels the gym, the mutual pressure and the gym effect and the sort of exactly. discipline. Yeah, exactly. And I guess as self-trained musicians, that's the best way to do it, right? And, yep. Yep. All right. So uh, let me let me see if I got any other good stuff. Um, Oh well, we, we, I could I could do you know um, another question for for Jake. This is kind of a you know another drums question, kind of a silly way of putting it, but uh, how do you make the horse sounds? It feels like that's one of your central jobs in this band is to make <laughs> horse sounds. Oh, <laughs> the gallops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it takes uh, quick feet and uh, double pedal. I can't imagine doing that with one foot. I know um, I'm brain farting on the drummer's name from Iron Maiden now. Um, yeah, Adrian. Uh, uh, wow, is it Nico something? Anyways, we know. Yes, yeah, Nico. Oh, Nico McBride. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, he. It's amazing how he can do all that with one foot. Shit. Um, it's and make it sound tight like that. But yeah, that's. Um, I guess that technique started all the way back from that song uh, for Red Dawn," and we've kept. Yeah, that one has a complex that. drum beat. That one. That one was difficult. Do you ever? Like, it seems like you go to a lot of effort to customize standardized drum beats. Uh, I think that's just us not 
doing not doing the like knowing the theory of okay this is the drum beat you play according to guitar and drum for beginner volume one uh, you know we're, we're well, not intentionally customizing anything i don't think but it's interesting you bring that up though because you kind of dug into um a part of like how our uh, band chemistry is typically when for example roman writes riffs he already has a drum beat in mind and he says play this beat we have different weird inside jokey kind of names that mm -hmm. we understand what the beat means like we might say a complex three four it sounds like da -do -do, da -do -do, da -do -do. Mm -hmm. um like that's what yeah it was like play the capricornus beat right <laughs> yes yeah. or play that's, the great land, like swing one. beat or yeah, the yeah. immortal do, beat do, do, where do, you're kind do, of do, do, do. going ding 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 on the bell um, so Roman always seems to have like a drum beat in mind, and I'll play it. But then once I listen to his riffs a few times, we kind of loop and jam a bit. I kind of can sort of pick out listening to the melodies or the rhythm. I'll add my own twists to it. I'll add my own fills. I'll add my own accents to try and emphasize the melody as much as possible. Because I feel that's the job of the drummer. You're kind of driving the tempo. You're driving the dynamics. You're driving the energy. And... I try my best to kind of make the guitar riffs um, lead and give them as much reinforcement as possible. Okay, so you're active. Yeah, you want to like you want to make like the chords pop or something, right? If it's a riff with like a palm mute, like fast pick, like you got to make the chords mm -hmm. pop with a cymbal cymbal hit or something. Exactly, and also like mute a cymbal if there's like a thrashy kind of intro with the guitar being unaccompanied. You can kind of add a few yeah. uh, bass drum hits with a choke cymbal to sort of foreshadow the drum beat coming. Oh, I don't know. I think, so I don't know my drum terminology super well, but I think at the beginning of Iron Fist, Iron Will, there is just like, uh, uh, Kevin comes in and there's just like, choke, 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 choke. Um, do you know what I'm oh, talking Oh, I think you're talking about... Um... Yeah, the riff where... That's actually, if you're talking about where Roman says the quote in Greek... Maybe um, the quote from King Leonidas mm -hmm. uh, that yeah yeah he's got the stabs there I think you call them stabs when you're you're doing the like you're stomping the kick and choking a cymbal mm -hmm. yeah yeah if, if that's what you're talking about yeah yeah probably the song does have a bass drum kind of intro too like doom 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 as the guitars playing the melody and then yeah the that's just keeping the yeah yeah that's keeping the one and the three right or the three the two and the four actually is the one and three no it's one and three. It's either one and three or two and four. <laughs> common thing we do. It's one. It's one and three because the the kick yeah. starts right with the guitar. Okay, now that you hum it, I remember exactly what you're talking about. Um, uh, yeah. So that's so that's kind of what I meant is that in a lot of other bands, especially in bands that don't foreground drumming, right? So like a lot of traditional heavy metal bands, a lot of black metal bands. The drums are kind of just like this frame, right? This just grid. Yeah, they keep the tempo. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so that's, yeah, so, but you guys are active. You're playing the drums to the, it's like you've got the, the guitars and then the bass connects those to the drums and then the drums loops back around to the melody. Exactly. I mean, if we're recording. Yeah, we well, you need that cohesive unit to make it sound as good as possible. Like, I won't feel any inspiration. I won't even be able to play properly if I don't hear the riffs to guide and inspire me. Like, when we record, if I didn't have Guitar Pro tracks with the riffs programs, like, it would just not work. Um, so I'm mostly listening to the guitars, and um, the bass, like, follows in between that. Well, I guess, apropos of that, then, how do you guys work out... So, I mean... 
when you're practicing, I mean, it basic sound. How, how do you make it so when you're practicing, you can hear the drummer can hear the fucking riffs? Um, because uh, we've had a lot of people have sat in on our practices and been like, holy shit, your amps are so fucking loud. Uh, so, yeah, I think we just like, again, the arrogance of Cromlech. It's like it became a competition between me and Roman to like out angle each other's amp tone a little bit by turning the amp up. And we just have our amps really loud. So it's easy to hear the guitars behind the drum as uh, the side effect of that. Yeah, so what are you? Oh, Jake. Uh... Oh, I was going to add and say um, for all those other drummers out there, drummers' earplugs work very well. Cuts out all the low end. And you can hear all the treble piercing right through. <laughs> Mm, that makes sense so how, yeah i guess i know jack shit about production but uh the death metal guy would be way better way better at asking you about sound stuff but given you're in the recording process is there anything special you're doing on this new album or anything you're struggling with because you're still in the studio right and there's challenges that come up uh no yeah, challenges I'd, just, yeah, I mean, we... I'd say proper just properly setting up with people who are actually experienced it helps a lot people have like um, Kave uh, from Into Oblivion, he's actually uh, he's he's helping us. Or he's doing the recording uh, the recording for us. He's basically he's really acting as our sound engineer because he's setting yeah. up. He's doing the setup. He's setting up everything. Where to position he, the amp, where to position the mic, where to put the sound baffling. That Kave's doing all that. I don't know where yeah, he I mean, picked that up. He seems to just pick that up. Uh, he picked it up. Actually, he he's, picked, he's good. He's he basically took everything. So Angry Dave recorded our first recorded Ave Mortis. Kaveh basically took everything Angry Dave knew and has gone from there. Um, I mean, Kaveh yeah, just like also downloaded it to his brain, pretty much, and made it better. But also, he he's involved in so many projects and so and does so many things on the side that I think he's just over time got just understood how to set stuff up. Like even with um, when he was uh, when he was recording Paragon, um, the way we set like even just personally speaking from my amp setup we did a four channel input. Like we did a, a, like a, um, a clean in, like a clean direct in, um, a uh, more distorted direct in. We had uh, a close mic and a far mic. So there was just like the amount, like just the amount of, of sounds you're able to work with. You can never, I don't know, I think, I mean, you can have too much, but you can, you can always now, take away, but you can't add in. So the thing is, that's like standard sound engineer stuff. We didn't know yeah. that. We don't, again, yeah. we don't know yeah. anything about this, right? So when we did self-recording on, like, the demo, we were just like, okay, slap a mic in the room. Boom, you got your guitar tone. Um, we didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah, so you've got, like, for the um, uh, production impaired on uh, listening, that's, so what you're were, what you were saying, Brent, is, like, for your bra bass tone, you've got, you've got two different, You've got two different mics feeding directly into the computer, and then two mics going from basically going from a, a preamp, one being clean, mm -hmm. uh, one being a complete dry tone, and then the other one being more of the over, like a little bit more overdriven tone. Great, yeah, and also those two mics in the room, right? Exactly, yeah. And so, like everything, so. Is there, on this new record, it seems like everything is coming in-house, right? Because Kava's the other guitarist and in Into Oblivion. So at this point, is basically it all being created by your crew? It yep. normally is. I'd say we usually pretty well, it's a pretty small circle of people who get involved, like, who are involved in, in making it. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, other than 
other than Angry Dave for Ave Mortis, it's been pretty much we've pretty much just used Cave and and ourselves pretty well, uh, like self like self uh, produced. Like for the split we did with uh, the split we did with Infamous, uh, we record we record that ourselves, didn't we? Yeah, we did. That was all me and you. Yeah. Me and you yeah. were the sound engineers for that. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and we got Mike to mix it. I guess no, I guess Mike is kind of an outside guy. Yeah. He's, uh, he's just an internet friend of mine. Um, he, he, he did the mastering for us on that. Nice. Yeah, so... Um, so, yeah, a- any particular production things you're trying on this record? Sounds you're trying to get, or do you just want it to sound... Uh, you know, sound good. Huge. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Again, like we talked about those those chugs that Solstice uses on uh, New Dark Age. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always a production reference for me. It sounds really good. It sounds super heavy. Uh, it's got a good presence to it. I, li- I like the way that album's produced. So that's that's a reference point for me. I would I would like it to sound something like that. It's good production. Dude, I'm I'm stoked for those chugs. Um, I I've, it's, I'm like I'll I'll, I'll be like. I, I'm sure in coming months I'll just literally be like, the chugs, when are they coming? <laughs> um, so about yeah about the circling back to the new record then I guess circling back is the word these days isn't it? Um, yes. I uh, I I was thinking like so how did you get in touch with Nick and Hessian Firm? Uh, I mean I can I can field that one. Um, just literally one day. Out of the blue, he messaged into Oblivion and basically said, "I want to sign you guys." Like that, it, it sounds as simple as that, but it was like, you know, almost middle, like, you know, late evening. We get a message, and I'm like, "Guys, there's a guy with a label called Hessian Firm, like that, that just messaged us out of the blue, who wants to sign us." Like, at, at that point, with Into Oblivion, um, I think at that point we we're in the middle of, uh, in the middle of um, recording. Our most recent uh, most recent EP, and we were we were looking hard to get a label to take us on, but you know no one will take us. It's like oh we, you know the standard thing oh we we can't take a band with long songs or this and that or oh you know we're 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 booked up already. We have enough releases for this year, and this guy basically messages messages us, and he's on the exact same page as we were, like with everything, same sort of. Uh, just idea, vision for what he wants as a label and wants quality music, um, which was something we, I mean, it was completely unexpected and we've been yeah, pretty stoked on it since. It's, it's unbelievable. He's very passionate about the same kind of niches and circles of metal. Yeah, so definitely. And, and very, very, he's very, very committed to, uh, well, committed to what he's doing, but committed to quality products. He's very, very committed to uh, ensuring that it'll, that, you know, it's getting out there. It's not just like, I mean, we've, we've dealt before with, you know, with labels where we've gotten nothing out of it. Like, like next yeah. to nothing. I mean, I mean, Barry can attest to that. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm we're not, not going like, naming, naming names. names here, but so many underground labels are just like, oh yeah, dude, you guys sound great. We'll put out your CD. And then it's like the nothing. idea of doing a little bit of promotion to them is like, well, <laughs> What, what? Why would I do that? It's like yeah, like I have to say, like, mind. it's like how, how are you running a label, guy? You can't just print CDs and put them in a box in your basement. <laughs> yeah, and like think I have that's to say, gonna work. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to say, with like with with the IO stuff, when when Nick started sending us like, okay, yeah, we're gonna be on like 
Okay, on, on next Thursday, we're going to um, be previewing one song on this website. And then uh, the next week, okay, we'll have another preview, uh, you know, the following week on this website. And then we'll do the release on this day and, you know, th- and, and so on and so forth. It's like, oh, and, oh, I'm going to be pumping you guys on a podcast, you know, tomorrow and this and that and whatnot. Like, it, it's, yeah, it's, we were it's just like, wait, label, we're like, wait, labels do this? Like, we've never actually had an experience of someone actually taking the time to try and actually promote promote the product it's just it's it and also someone who's on the level with you who, who you know who's willing to push yeah, it and, yeah it's like it's a small it's a small label uh, small label but label. the big like big, big vision well well what i was gonna say is that after into oblivion um you guys did the interview with um whatever nick what is it hessian scrum yeah uh yeah the hessian scrum interview all of a sudden cromlech started getting all these hits Oh, great. As mentioned, right? So it's like, okay, it's a small label, but it has the niche. And the people who follow the label are into the... It's the right niche, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, that's key. I mean, yeah, I, like you it's said... It's like, I'd, I, rather have one, I'd rather have one passionate fan that gets the music and, like, listens to it closely and finds the little Easter eggs, like yeah. you said, and that kind of thing, than a bunch of people who read about it in a magazine and buy it and wants to do it once to put on their shelf. They, that's not what it's about, right? I'm not... We're not trying to, like, make money here. We're trying to make art. Yeah, I mean, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think a unique thing about it is, although it's a small label, and as far as I know, it's the first label he's done, he's trying to run it like a real record label. Like, um, yeah, even the idea, like underground labels often say like they don't do contracts or whatever. And, you know, that can be a way of being chill, right? I'm not going to fleece you guys. You know, I'm not going to bind you into anything. Yeah, that's an easy way to just like not get into like disputes and shit is just like, yeah, okay, we'll print 500 CDs and you get to 150 and you do what you want with them. And but for a lot of, but for a lot of people, it can also be a way of sort of just, uh, not having to commit to doing anything, as you say. Whereas Nick, uh, like, uh, yeah. Nick let, wants let me, let to just sign say, bands. Yeah. Let, let me just say as a side note, um, contracts uh, can can be uh, can be broken for no good reason. Huh. That's yeah. all I have to say. <laughs> End of comment. Fair but enough. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it is. It, it's definitely, it was, I'd have to say, very, very well-timed, perfectly timed that he just happened to, happened to just show up and it's it's been great working with them so far. Just even with both, we've with the Cromlech stuff, we've been. I mean, we've we've been keeping up, him updated with everything, and he's been really excited about it. Um, I mean, we've been we you know talking about oh well, the album layout's going to be this. Like we've already worked this out. You know, is that okay? And he's as far as I know, he's been he's been great about everything. He's you know we show him it. He's like, oh, this is great. Like, well, you know, this this. You know, he's he's very he's very passionate about it. Did you guys ever read Anus back in the day? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, so so you guys had you guys came out of similar you had a similar oh, yeah, pedigree. Yeah. Well well yeah, I mean the fact that uh, I'll label, be honest, oh, oh, I I thought oh. it was pretty autistic, but uh then I listened to the albums that they reviewed highly on uh on the old anus review format you know how it was like the good album had like the big format review and like <laughs> yeah. the lower tier one had the small review and i was like okay you know what though these are actually these are the best albums i'm hearing like this is the best recommendations i'm getting yeah um so yeah i know what you're talking about if roman was here he would probably oh he'd be like going off right now it's good that he's not but yeah i know um it was the fact that 
literally get an email. Like at first I like, I, it's like, dude, there's a, there's a label called Hessian firm that's contacting us. Like, like you sure this isn't someone fucking with us right now? <laughs> like that's how, that's how out of the blue. And then, you know, we dig into it a bit more and we start talking, you know, personal chats. And it's like, Oh, this guy's come from exactly the same place as all like the rest of like that all of us have. So it just, it were it would just worked out that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, Anus was definitely super autistic. And I remember, you know, I would, you know, that was just like, it came with the territory. It was just, that was yeah. the, yeah. that, that yeah. was the barrier, you know, it's tons of metal has bizarre eccentricities that are the barrier to entry. And that was Absolutely. the barrier to entry. Yeah. I like, yeah. I remember. I remember reading those sort of. There was one guy. Gatekeeping who would, is necessary, essential, and mandatory. <laughs> defend bring the back gates. the gatekeeper. Yeah, bring back the gatekeeper. Yeah, I mean that's that's how you that's how you cultivate worth, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, uh, um, yeah, ab- absolutely, and just uh, like or even the bizarre prose style, right? Some of it like read kind of pretentious, but there was this uh, one or two. Guys yeah, who that was the thing. One, was like the word, the kind of word salad reviews. Yeah, so some of yeah, some of it reads as pretentious and like oh, I'm going to use a big word, but some of it reads almost like English in this fascinating way where it's almost like poetry. <laughs> it's like outsider art, you know? You yeah. know what I mean, right? Yeah. Like schizophrenic art and I stuff mean, like that. Yeah, there were, like, a couple people, like, that would just, you would be like, oh, he's kind of writing, like, in parallel to language. (laughs) You know, like, uh, like, I remember reading this one Discharge review where the guy explained that Discharge was, like, ambient music or whatever, and it was this bizarre kind of push argument, right? Because obviously Discharge is put put your head through a wall body music, but, Mm -hmm. like, he... He was getting at something about it. And, you know, when I first read that, I was like, oh, that's silly. And then, like, it just stuck in my head. And as right. A... Well, you can make the argument that, like, due to the, like, uh, minimalism of the the riffs and the structures that it's it's in a way ambient, I guess. Yeah, but and it like, is. Obviously, and... the, uh, the spirit of the music is so visceral. It's kind of absurd to call it ambient. Exactly. So it's this kind of like, you know, it, it, there's like a, he tries to get you to buy into this absurd conceit, but then he's going to show you something. And like, right. Yeah. You know, like, rel- that is a real way to do arts criticism. And that, like, that, both the idea specifically and the method just lodged in my head for years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very skillful and interesting stuff. And yeah, and I mean, I suppose the point about it being ambient, like, it was way more atmospheric and uniform than basically anything that had been written up to that point. That's the point. Okay. You know? yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a, there's they just a, had, there's they something, just had... there is something there. Yeah. Um, obviously that was maybe some hot take seeking to be like, Oh, this genre, they should put this in the ambient genre. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, yeah, no, very, but hot Hey, who take. can deny the thrill of a good hot take? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So really interesting site. And I guess the thing, a lot of our, some of our listeners are, um, you know, uh, uh, aging degenerates in their early thirties, like like the hosts. Um, others oh, are God, God forbid. Yeah, that certainly does not describe me. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured you guys are probably of the same generation, but um, uh, yeah. there will be other listeners who are younger and don't don't remember that stuff. Um, so one thing that. I guess one thing that would set apart just the, 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 the anus thing for all its quirks or whatever, they were extremely serious about extreme metal. 
Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I guess that that is like something that transfers to what I was talking about earlier. Is like, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone there was like so there was so much shit posting on. Uh, well, it, the forum didn't really allow. It was a weird style. It wasn't like overt shit posting. You know what I mean? But there was all those like troll groups associated with anus. Uh, so that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Is like very serious about the music, and like in like the review section of the forum, you had to like. You had to have that review, and it had to be all serious and have big words and look impressive and all that. Uh, but then there was like all the shit posting associated acts, if you will, of of anus and uh, yeah. So we got the like, we do the shit posts on our page, but we take our music very seriously. Yeah, for sure. No, that 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 makes sense. And I feel like also a sense I've gotten maybe is that the people who read your. Uh, Right, because Cromlech, I, I don't have a face. I don't have, I you know, Death Metal guy does the Facebook, so I'm not privy to okay. the shit posts as I should be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start checking the page just for. Just When's the last time yeah, you, you checked? Just lo- yeah, you can just load it up. You don't need an account. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. When uh, was the last time you checked it? Uh been uh, the Cromlechs? Uh, maybe you. Yeah. I, I feel like I was aware of you guys on Facebook like years yeah. ago, but uh, you should, when, you should see I our most recently. Facebook. You should see our most recent post. I think you'll appreciate it. All right. Yes, you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, R.I.P. to a real one. <laughs> oh no, there's one more reason than that, Ned. Oh, I'm I'm out of date. Oh, oh yeah, okay. I'll yeah. Try, big... I'll check that out after the interview. Then. <laughs> big ol' hails. This is an epic shit post. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Um. Honored. Um, yeah. For 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 our listeners, you'll just have to go to uh, Facebook.com/slash/CromlechDoom to see an uh, an excellent. Uh, Cromlech Terminus tag team meme. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that's solid. Um, yeah, it's better. I think I think it's a better. Oh, I know uh, what you posted. Than, I, I, I think it's a better yeah, look than the one that's a that few. Uh, I think there's better than the one that's a few posts down. Where, uh, well, the one from February 16th. I think you'll. Uh, I think you'll get a good laugh at that as well. Uh, All right. It, it ties. It ties into our correspondence uh, we had to set this interview up. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that correspondence also written in sort of a uh, language adjacent style. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like I, I, the way I, I had to figure. Yeah. So f- for lizards, Cromlech addressed me and kind of. Um, yeah. Well, I guess Kevin just. Wrote well, Kevin, me. Kevin started that. Ke- yeah, Kevin just. Oh, Kevin's aggressive emails are legendary. Yeah, Kevin he, has done. He sends aggressive emails to labels just like that. It's it is amazing. It's he legendary. Ju- he just sent us a harangue. Um, and I was like, I tried to figure out what the style was and just respond in kind, right? I was just like, okay, we're going to go with this. It's, uh, you know, um, but yeah, the, the, the entire email thread was basically written as if it was like the members of Manowar talking to each other. Yeah, you're talking. Um, well, they're basically you're like, to, they're basically WWE us. promo callouts. That's what yeah. Kevin's aggressive yeah, emails read like to me. Yeah. The, the email's correspondence was, you're not talking to one of us. You're talking to Chrome like the band. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know it's an it's an entity. It's a it's a it's a lifestyle. Cromlech the band <laughs> demanded all five of their vintage Absu T-shirts uh, washed and pressed and rolled <laughs> before the interview. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. I Facebook is not loading for me right now, probably because of the uh, stupid inter. You know. The, uh, oh wait. Oh wait. I see it. I see it. Yes. Haha. Very funny. The neck crank. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a terminus um, screw job, <laughs> man. Um, yeah, well, uh, but yeah, so epic, 
Epic shit posts indeed. Um, okay, here's a note to go out on. We've already discussed this on a conceptual level, but now let's discuss it on a shit post level or a little freer level. Um, so uh, on your band camp, right, you say uh, that Cromlech is the antithesis to all that is trivial and banal and heavy metal. Mm. So either. If you want to throw some shit, what is trivial and banal and heavy metal right now? Or how does Cromlech differ from the trivial and banal and heavy metal? In which ways, in what ways are you trampling the current new yeah. wave of British heavy metal, US power metal revival? Right. Okay. So yeah, what I what I meant with that is what I already said basically is like you have the heavy metal bands that have the like whoa, dude, like, ride your motorcycle and, you know, city lights at night on the streets and all this shit, you know, that's mm -hmm. that's trivial and banal. That places it, that places the band and the art temporally in time. Um, and what is oppositional to that is metal that's inspired by, like, heroic poetry, um, history, whatever you name it, Conan, Conan, right? Uh, those Those are, like, archetypes and concepts that aren't placed in time. Riding your motorcycle is placed in time, right? Uh, heroic warrior soul is not placed in time. That's that's an eternal archetype. I guess that wasn't very shit posty, but that was a good. I mean, yeah, that 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 was that was uh, that was a shit post of steel. Um, it's the uh, yeah, I feel you. Also, and you can it's going to like Manowar. It's like Manowar devolved from the former in or from whatever Manowar devolved from the timeless into the temporal through their career, right? Mm. Although they did have some... Actually, you could say that, like, the first album had uh, Warlord, I think was the one about, like, banging chicks and riding your motorcycle, so... <laughs> yeah, but they had they had the other stuff, too, and they became more goofy and self-referential and self-parodic as, as their career progressed. That's an interesting way of explaining it. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, also, for the bands today, I mean, it super places them in time because the riding the motorcycle shit is all, like... Um, it's all this sort of cheeky postmodern referential stuff, right? It's all like it's right. all like seventies, eighties throwback, like yes, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, you, we're we're gonna have like a we're we're gonna have a an album cover drawn to sort of meticulously. It's, it's capture... the band. It's the band within time versus the band above time.